creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hello there. Welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast. Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by Lauren Campbell and Logan Mullen. Guys, it's uh, it's been a while. We took a week off and a whole bunch of things happened. Yeah, we're not allowed to take time off anymore, I think, is the moral of the story. Yeah, uh, all the things yeah. happen when we're off. Yeah, I it's it's been a busy week. I mean, obviously, the, the Bruins are kind of in the midst of a, a hellacious part of their schedule. But, I mean, in the last two weeks, it's hard to even remember. I mean, we've had COVID cases. Uh, we've had non-COVID cases that were disguised as COVID cases. We had people return from COVID. Uh, Tuka Rask remains out. Uh, the Bruins are good. Then they were bad. Then they were good again. Uh, Jeremy Swayman is now uh, an NHL goaltender. Uh, let's see. Brad Marchand uh, won a third star of the week as he continues to light the world on fire. Um, trade deadlines a week away. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Uh, it's there's a lot, there's a lot going on. I'm probably missing some things as well, but, uh, what, uh, you know, before we're going to really just do a lot of trade deadline stuff today, as we've been doing for the last few weeks, it feels like, um, but this is our last show before the deadline on, on April 12th, before we, we dive too much into the, the deadline. Um, what's your guys biggest, biggest takeaway from the last two weeks or since we, we met last, why don't you start us off more? Um, I think Tuka Rask's injury is a little more serious than anyone could have thought. I know that he came back and my whole thing was, I won't be worried until if he didn't play that weekend mm-hmm. and he only played one period and then and left. And we really haven't heard much since. And what's concerning to me, and I know the NHL does this with upper body and lower body, but it's like, we don't even have an idea. Like we know it was discomfort. We've seen him grab his back, but we don't know what it is. Um, you know, he's going to travel with the team. So that's positive. But then it comes around again. Is he, is he 100% healthy? Is he going to get pulled from a game again because of this injury or whatever? But I think my biggest takeaway is that the goaltending is pretty good, even without Rask and Halak. Like it's not nothing that I think Bruins fans need to be up in arms about. Yeah. At least not in the short term. Logan, what do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) This is not a rabbit hole we need to go down today, but I think you need bigger sample sizes. But what we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks might alter some decision making this summer, perhaps with both veteran goaltenders being pending unrestricted free agents. Uh, I think it shows that they can survive, which is not what you necessarily want to say. Like the Bruins aren't a team that should be playing survival mode, but there's enough depth there. I think they're still in a playoff spot. Now, part of that is because the Flyers have absolutely imploded this year. But with all the issues that they've had with five-on-five scoring outside of the top line, with all the injuries that they've had on defense, with the fact that they've had to play four different goalies this year, they are still in a playoff spot, and they're still in striking distance of the Penguins for third with games in hand. So... I think you should be encouraged by the depth and the fact that even with all of these factors that granted every team is going through to varying degrees, they're still finding a way to kind of grind things out and remain firmly in the playoff line. What level of health they're at once the postseason comes around, 
you know, that'll probably determine their fortune to a pretty large degree. But at least for now, I think you should have a little bit of optimism that they're not going to just flame out. Yeah, they're that win Tuesday night in Philly uh, is a, it was a big one. I mean, it's, it was, you know, a four point swing basically. And then you've got, you know, now they have two games in hand on Philly who is five points back, which feels like a lot. The Rangers have actually moved into a, a tie with Philly for that fifth spot in the East. So um, picking up three or four points against the Flyers really, in my opinion, does a lot to kind of solidify the playoff prospects, there's still a long way to go in 20 games left. Um, but, you know, if that had gone a certain way, we this this podcast would be a lot different, I think, which is short-term thinking that you want to kind of avoid um, when you're doing a podcast, but especially when you're, you're running a hockey team. Um, so maybe it wouldn't have changed a ton regarding the, the Bruins trade deadline uh, strategy. But I do think, you know, picking up those three points against – uh, against the Flyers, really, they've got to hope serves as like a springboard into the stretch run, which also includes uh, the trade deadline. I think, you know, from what I've seen the last two weeks, is I still believe that this team should be not only buying at the trade deadline, but essentially going all in, whatever you want to call that. They should be aggressive at the trade deadline. I think they've proved at times, and it's not. You know, they have struggled to put together 60-minute efforts uh, over the last couple of weeks, but I think they've proved at times that the, the ceiling is still there. Um, they still have the ability to go on a deep playoff run, assuming they shore up the goaltending, because I don't think, you know, for as good as they've looked, I don't think you're going to get to the Stanley Cup with a Vladar and Swayman. I don't even think you're going to do it with, you know, Halak and Swayman slash Vladar. You know, they need to get Rask back or they need to make a move at the deadline, but I'm confident enough and everything else I've seen from this team recently that there is still enough there to feel somewhat confident at least about going on a deep playoff run. Um, and I think you, you have to kind of augment that at the trade deadline. I don't know, you know, what they, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what their takeaway and what their conclusion is when they get to Monday or when they get to this weekend where it's like, does goalie become a priority? And if goalie is a priority, how much are you willing to spend? And it's, it's a really difficult, delicate balancing act. And kind of going back to Lauren's point, it's like they need to see something good out of Tuukka Rask, and I would imagine they'd like to see it sooner than later. Um, you know, as Lauren also mentioned, he's on the trip. It sounds like he is as close as he's been since his first return. So, you know, if you can get him back before Monday, before the deadline, and he gets through 60 minutes without hurting himself again, I wonder if that changes things as well at the deadline. So there are still some moving pieces, but I am – you know, I, if I'm the Bruins, I'm encouraged of where we're at right now. It's not great. Like, I don't think they're stuck in neutral, but they are kind of stuck in first and second gear. They, it's, it, you know, they have five gears in them. They can get back there. It's just, they've kind of got to tinker with things and try to figure out where they're at. So it's, you know, middle season malaise to an extent, but they're, you're, I, I'm still seeing enough positive things that, that have me pretty bullish on this team long-term. So that's kind of where I'm at. Well, they've been treading water for like 75% of the season. So yes. I think. Yeah, but like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I guess I, I don't disagree. Sorry. So at that point, it's like, well, you probably should invest in your team then because I think about it, the defense, for example, like there have been some tough nights for the defense. And especially lately, like Zaboral hasn't been that great. Lozon's gotten better, but he's had a couple of tough nights. 
but for whatever reason, as poorly as the analytics look at Kevin Miller, like the eye test checks out for me with Kevin Miller. He seems fine. They seem like a better team with him. They've been without him since mid-February. They've been without Grizzly for large chunks of the season. They've been without Carlo for a month. At a certain point, you know, maybe you're just unlucky and you're not going to be healthy all year, but you also have to think like, okay, this team is – this is, I guess, back to my original point that like they've been fine with a somewhat limited allotment of resources because of health. And so for one, Don Sweeney owes it to them to invest and at the very least not sell, which he's not going to, but you know, I don't know. He, he should be buying is I guess I agree with you on that front. Lauren, what do you think they should do at the deadline? Yeah, I think they they should be buyers because, I mean, they need some help. And I like, you know, what Logan said about Kevin Miller, the eye test there. I mean, it's all right there. And even after every game that he plays, Bruce Cassidy has something to say about how he impacted the game and how he's in the right spots. He's in, he's, he's making his physical presence known. And that's something right now they're lacking without Brandon Carlo, without Charlie McAvoy yesterday and Lausanne too. Like that's a, that's a big boy out there that they're missing when he was gone for that time. So it's like, he's always, Kevin Miller is always a good player to have. And you know, when he's missing. Um, but I still think, I think that there needs to be something done. Maybe not necessarily on the defense. I think it's just string of bad luck right now, even though Zaboral hasn't really looked good. Like Logan said, Lausanne's had some tough nights there that Cassie's called both of them out on, but I think their, their biggest thing with the trade deadline is they need somebody who can score who isn't Pashanak, Marshan, Bergeron. They really need help in that department. And I would rather see them go after somebody, a forward who can score goals rather than a defenseman who may or may not help this team where they need it. The uh, the thing with the Miller, just to touch on that real quick, like I I agree or I I, I won't be the first, I would be the first to admit that it looks, looks bad at sometimes. There are some issues there, but like he... I think it's not necessarily he's he's certainly not the best defenseman in the world, but I do think he brings certain things to the table that the rest of that core doesn't necessarily have. And I think that was kind of on display Tuesday night in Philly on that last shift where he's he's just stronger than everybody. So like that goes a long way in those sorts of board battles and things like that. I mean, he like almost single handedly, you know, waned. 30 seconds off of the clock with that puck in the, the zone. And then he made another play in the slot. I think it was that ended up springing them out of their own zone and, and got the Bergeron goal. So, you know, that's an element. And like, you want to have a well-rounded defense core. He is that, you know, he's a, a strong hulking guy, maybe not the greatest, most talented defenseman in the world, but you, you need variety. And I think to Logan, to your point, they've got that one healthy. And like, they just haven't been fully healthy all year where, you know, you look at, you know, you got McAvoy who is a Norris winner down the line. You have Carlo who is a, you know, a very solid defenseman, nothing, you know, flashy or spectacular, but you know, when he's in your lineup, you feel better about yourself. Grizzly puck mover, like you can go down the lits and like, yeah, that's when they're all playing at the same time, it fits a lot better. And, you know, kind of jumping off of Lauren's point looking at it from a trade deadline perspective, I'm just going to take my chances with, having those guys healthy down the stretch. Maybe that's a fool's errand, but like if they're all hurt, you probably weren't going to go very far anyway. So I think maybe you go out and get a depth player, uh, a depth defenseman who can kind of, who is okay with, 
being the seventh D-man from time to time and can be part of that revolving door if there are injuries. But, like, I'm with Lauren. I'm going after scoring in any way possible. I wrote this on Nesson.com. Like, I, I guess I could even be talked into, like, a defenseman who can also move the puck. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, finding that, uh, you know, the middle six type of, like, a Kyle Palmieri type. And I think, you know, I saw this on, on fourth period or whatever, you know, talking about the Bruins maybe looking to do something even bigger with the Devils where they get a defenseman like Kulikov or something. I I don't know. Like, I don't know. Who, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert about, you know, Jersey's defense core. But, like, if you can maybe add a, a depth defenseman to part of that deal, then that's something I'd be interested in. But I'm still prioritizing any sort of, any sort of scoring over – you know, anything else, uh, assuming Tuka Rask is healthy. Cause if Rask isn't healthy, that kind of changes the equation a little bit too. But Logan, what do you think the, the biggest, are you with us with the, the priority? Yeah, it, it should be a scoring winger because unless they're trading for Matias Ekholm or David Savard, most of the guys who have been rumored to be potentially on the move don't represent much of an upgrade over what the Bruins have now like they're fine but they won't have the impact that adding a Kyle Palmieri Mikel Granlin type player to that point real quick like if you're don't get like I wouldn't the last thing I want them to do is to overpay for a defenseman at the the deadline because it's just and we don't know what the market's going to look like so they could be in a spot where it's like you don't want to overpay for you know Andre Mazaros or something like that that sort (laughs) of deal so that's something that they have to keep in mind as well. The market will dictate a lot of this too, but as you were saying, was it? Well, I, I keep going back to it, but like, I think they're going to do something like they did with the Nick Holden deal in 2018, like depth defenseman that nobody really knew was on the block, but it makes sense that he gets traded and you're trading a mid to late round pick, basically nothing for a pending free agent off the top of my head. I don't know who that is. Nick Holden was on waivers and I thought they should have claimed him, but Unless you're swinging big on defense, I I just don't see why you would overextend yourself for, you know, individually Dmitry Kulikov or somebody like that. If it's part of a bigger package or you're shipping off a mid to late round pick for a depth guy, that makes sense to me. But otherwise, it's like, okay, who are you going to trade for that? Isn't Ekholm or Savard that's going to be a, that big of an upgrade than you know, Camphor or Clifton when you're healthy. I, I don't know. So. Yeah. that I, I think, you know, I'm with you on that. Um, it's, you know, I, I guess we can touch on the goalie thing real quick. Are you guys, is it, does it make sense to make a move for a goalie at all? It doesn't make sense to make a move for a goalie. If Rask is hurt, is it worth salvaging in that regard? Like, is I mean this this really is just all market dictated, but is that that's something that you guys would you how much of a priority do you put goaltending help uh, on that list, assuming Rask is not going to be ready by the end of the weekend? I mean, if if he was going to be out long term, Rask was going to be out long term, I would put more emphasis on it and make it more of a need. If he's just going to be out through the weekend, I I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's you know if he's if it's short term just kind of ride it out until then. Um, but if he's, if they come out and say like, he's going to be out for two months, he's going to be out to the end of the season or whatever it is, then yeah, I think there, there needs to be a move made. Not that Jeremy Swayman looked great. Dan Vladar has looked really good, but as you said earlier, small sample sizes, especially with Jeremy Swayman. So I think that 
you know, to preserve their confidence and continue to pre prepare them to be NHL ready, making a move for a goalie would be smart, but only if Rask is going to be out long-term. Yeah. Well, and they need to know that first, because the thing is too, with the goalie situation. So say it's or not Swayman Halak and Rask end up being healthy. That goalie you just added has to go on waivers to get put on the taxi squad. Right. Unless you're trading, trading for a waivers exempt goalie, which there are few, available I would even imagine that are up for a trade and so why risk an asset for Jonathan Bernier or whoever else when you're gonna have to put them on waivers in order to get them onto the taxi squad if you get Rask and Halak back so if you know one of them's gone for the year which I don't think is going to be the case for Halak it seems like they're optimistic that Rask will come back eventually that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because goalies have been getting claimed on waivers this year. I mean, Anton Forsberg's played for like four different teams this year because he keeps going on waivers and he keeps getting claimed. So I don't understand from a Bruins perspective why you would do that. Also, you're creating a logjam in the lower levels. I know that's not what you should be worrying about that much, but they have Vladar Swayman, uh, Kyle Kaiser, and Callum Booth now. So if you add a third guy who's your taxi squad goalie, you're just burying everybody. But it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because you're going to risk losing the guy if your situation pans out uh, the way you want it to. So why give up the asset and potentially bail out another team who can claim them on waivers a few you know, weeks, days, months later? Because maybe you don't want to take the risk. Like I, it's a good point. I, I, I don't know. It's something that they, they at least have to think about. Right. And they, I, depending on what you read and what you hear, like they're in the goalie market, you know, or they're at least, you know, taking a look and seeing what's out there. I was just looking it up, like what they've done at the deadline in the past, like the Anton Hudobin thing in 11 kind of stands out. Like that was, yeah. that was pretty shrewd, but that's a lifetime ago, you know, give up well, Jeff Penner and Miko Letton and they get Anton Hudobin who ends up being a, a Stanley cup starting goalie. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's again, the, the market's so much different now too. It's a different year. So, and if I can ask a stupid question, it's like the only goalie I could see being traded is one of the blue jackets goalies who would actually, I've been comfortable with what Vladar's done. So I don't think to keep harping on the Jonathan Bernier thing, like I don't think he represents that much of an upgrade over Dan Vladar where I would, you know, risk an asset to trade for him. I would rather just go with Halak, Vladar, Rask, Vladar as your third guy, because the only ones that are going to represent an upgrade over Vladar are like Corpus Salar or Merzlikens, who Columbus isn't going to just part with for nothing. Like they're legitimate NHL goaltenders on cheap deals. And so unless you're swinging a deal like that, which makes exactly zero sense there's not a whole lot of reason for why you would want to go after whoever's on the goalie market unless there's somebody we don't know about yeah that's fair I think the waiver thing is probably makes more sense I I just look at it like I just feel like it's probably good to have one more veteran guy if you're concerned about Rask in the long term where it's if you trust the system enough you can plug in a guy who's not you know no Vesna candidate or anything like that but just a replacement level goalie just in case you needed it kind of similar to 
you know, the Nick Holden of goalies. If I don't know who that would be, but um, probably Anton Hudobin. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, what uh, you know, we we wrote this. I guess we can just regurgitate. But who's your uh, who's your guys' ideal Bruins fit at the deadline? Uh, Lauren, why don't you kick it off? So I'm big on Connor Garland from the Coyotes. Um, I don't know if he's going to be traded. I don't know what the Coyotes are even going to do come the trade deadline, but I think he'd be a really nice addition to the team. He would obviously help the five on five scoring and provide some secondary scoring. Um, he has, uh, I know at the time that we made our expert predictions, he had eight even strength goals, um, which obviously again would really, really help the Bruins. And I just, I really like him. I've been high on him now for, for a little while. And I think he'd be a good fit. I don't think his asking price to be crazy high and something that the Bruins could afford. The coyotes and the predators are going to ruin the trade deadline yeah. because they've been good. Like the last two weeks, like those are two teams that should be fire sailing. And yeah. now they're in a playoff position and they're probably going to hold on to guys, which sucks. But my, mine was Ricard Raquel and I've actually talked myself down on it a little bit more. Uh, he's dealing with an upper body injury right now, but a proven NHL scorer who is under team control. The problem is that he's regressed like the last year or two. And typically if a guy's a pending UFA, you'll take your risk on that. You'll be like, Oh, you know, change of scenery, whatever. He's been playing on an awful ducks team, but he's got another year of team control, which means that, the Ducks are probably going to ask a little bit more because getting guys with terms always getting guys with term, excuse me, always costs a little bit more. So I think Raquel represents the most natural on ice fit that they reasonably could get and at a semi manageable cap figure. But I could understand for one, why they might be reticent to deal with streaky Ducks wingers right now and uh, for in trades but and the cost might end up being prohibitive i don't know the ducks go all over the place their management is just a mess so i have no clue what they would want for him but i think the goal scoring prowess is there he's willing to shoot um you know the, there's enough demonstrated ability there is my biggest thing yeah i'll, I'll take fall mary i think that's that's my new white whale um i I like wingers who can score. It's just kind of a thing. Um, and, you know, you look at him, the numbers aren't great, especially against teams that aren't the Bruins. But I was kind of looking at his career numbers the other day, and his shooting percentage this year is like sub 10% when he's been around like 13% for his entire career, um, which, you know, maybe he's getting a little unlucky. Maybe that's somewhat the product of who he's playing with and maybe not having the, the same amount of, not only opportunities in general, but the same amount of high leverage, high danger opportunities that maybe he would get on a better team like the Bruins, where, you know, you could put him on the second line with David Krejci. And we know how well David Krejci has done at, a, at points in his careers with, you know, wingers who can score goals. Obviously the price is a little prohibitive where he's going to be, you know, he's, he may be the best offensive minded player, not named Taylor Hall available at the deadline. Um, so you might pay a premium for that, but I, again, I'm in team all in this year. So I just think, you know, the last thing you want to do is to get in the second round, run into, you know, the Islanders and you can't score any goals. So that's, or in the first round, you run into the Islanders, you can't score any goals. Yeah. If you 
if that happens and you didn't do anything about it at the deadline, I think that's a, you know that's a that's a tough spot where you know this team is not getting any younger. You're at a, not a breaking point for this core, but like you're at a the end of a chapter, so to speak, at, after the season with Krejci and Rask coming up. You know maybe they're both back here next year, but it's possible you know one of them's not or both of them. At the very least, the money's going to look different. So it just seems like a natural breaking point. I guess the you know argument against that is: Do you really want to part with long-term assets to go out and you know acquire a rental? Maybe you can sign Paul Mary to an extension. But I just think he fits. I think he would be a good quote-unquote good Bruin, um, and I think he definitely addresses a need for them. And really, like you know, is a shakeup the worst thing in the world right now? I don't know. Like it's just. I like the message it sends to kind of go out there and make a move like that to a team like this, that, that really looks like it could use a shot in the arm. No pun intended given the uh, state of our world right now, but that would be my, uh, you know, if you lose, if you lose going out and making that move, I can live with that. Like that's at least you made a push. I like the aggressive nature. If there's ever a time to be aggressive, I think it's right now. So maybe that's a misread of the situation on my part, but I I think the time is right for this to, to happen. Well, what are you clinging to, right? Like if you're getting a depth forward and you're shaking things up, it's not like you're about to disrupt a absurd amount of even strength scoring. So unless right. you're giving up an absurd amount of, uh, you know, picks or prospects or whatever. Then well, that's the thing. And I think it, it's going to be the picks, right? That The picks and the prospects that really hurt you because Sweeney is reticent to, to, to part with high draft picks, understandably so. And they don't have the greatest prospect chest at the moment so or at least they don't have that like one or two guys that you go out and that's you know those are the types of the prospects that are going to make you know make it get a deal done for you especially when you look at you know there's going to be a market for Paul Mary right like it's yeah. just and it feels like it grows by the day with injuries across the league where it's like does a team like Montreal want to get involved now too with the injuries that they've had so you know New York the, uh, the Islanders is, is, are always lingering as well so there's a lot of different moving parts, but I, if it just feels like this is a time to make one last run with this specific group. So I don't know. That's probably why I'm not a GM because looking at it that way is probably how you get fired within three years, but you'd be the Dave Dombrowski of hockey operations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's different. It's apples and oranges, but I've, you know, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting deadline for the Bruins because I you know I could see it going any number of ways I could see them doing absolutely nothing I could see them making a splash and then there's always the in between where do you guys like you know before we get out of here look into your crystal balls we reconvene next Wednesday two days after the deadline what are we talking about um I think we'll we'll be talking about how they made some sort of I don't want to say insignificant move, but maybe not the move that they should have made. Um, I mean, I think I, I wrote this too, that I don't expect them to be super like New England Patriots off season busy, but I don't know if they'll, you know, if they continue to kind of be hot for the next couple of games, will they just kind of sit back and be like, eh, like, we're fine. We'll just kind of bring in this fourth line forward, third, fourth line forward that maybe can provide a little bit of help, but not what we really, really need to fill these holes. Um, I mean, I really think it depends on the next few games, but I think we're just going to be talking about some, some random forward that comes in from Nashville or Arizona. Yeah. I think what we're going to end up hearing is the Bruins tried on hall 
the Bruins tried on Palmieri. And the reason they didn't end up getting them is because teams that are willing to spend that have long-term IR space, like the Islanders, like Montreal now with Brennan Gallagher, um, were able to just outbid them and make the money work. There's less money retained or whatever. Um, And as a result, they went with depth pieces. If I'm the Bruins, I probably am a little bit cautious about getting rid of major assets because any team this season has been so weird that I don't think getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs necessarily is representative of how good or bad a team is. Like that's where I land on like the Dallas stars, right? The Dallas stars might not make the playoffs after getting to the cup final a year ago. I don't think it's because they're bad. I think it's because they had to wait two weeks for their season to start because of COVID and the Bruins have a ton of cap space coming up this off season. They've got big areas on the roster to address, which I think that was part of the reason they didn't re-sign Tory Krug was because they knew they had all this cap space coming up this off season. And they wanted to see what they had in the young defense to see, to determine if they need to go out and make a big move this off season. So I think that they're going to try and win, but I also don't think that they're going to overextend themselves. And I think there are some teams that to no fault of the Bruins are better positioned to make these types of moves right now. So I think they're going to try for the big guys. I am uncertain that they'd be able to get anything done. And I think that they'll add small pieces. I, I think it will be something more akin to the 2019 deadline when they got Coyle and Johansson um, as opposed to like 2018 when they got Rick Nash. I think they come away with a forward and a defenseman that are relatively out of nowhere or aren't the big ticket purchases that people may be looking for, um, which I think is kind of where you're at, Logan, where it's – I don't think it's going to be as beneficial as like getting Marcus Johansson when nobody really saw that coming. You know what I mean? And I just think it's going to be – guys that they can take a chance on that they feel good about putting on the second or the third line. And that's kind of, that's what it's kind of bothered me about their trade deadline approach in years past, where it always feels like they're going out and getting the same type of player. And maybe I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, given how good Johansson was for them down the stretch. But like, you know, it always feels like it's a guy who's stuck in between the second and the third line, as opposed to the second and the first line, if that makes sense. Um, And you know, that, that comes at a cheaper price and you're kind of looking more for lightning in a bottle than anything else. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. I think that's probably the more likely scenario here because I do think they're going to be making moves with an eye on the future to your point, Logan, where it's, you know, if you have, if you're going to have holes in the roster, do you really want to give up a, you know, a prospect who could maybe fill one of those roles or a, a draft pick to, who could be here in two years? I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but I, like, you know, you at a certain point, I'd like to see them kind of push some chips in. And maybe that's being unfair to what they've done in the past. But you know, it's just not going to – I don't think you can take for granted, like, how easy they've made it look to go on deep playoff runs. So I think you kind of have to maximize your potential. Um, and they could do that by making two minor moves. I just – you know, I think it's a year to be aggressive. I do think it's probably going to be more, you know – go out and get a couple depth pieces. Hopefully they fit in well and you just wait and see if you can get healthy and go from there. I I mean, this is honestly though, if Rask is healthy, like I still technically believe in them to win the Stanley cup with the team that they have right now. So maybe that's, 
I don't know. Is that a hot take before we get out of here? Like, could they, if they do nothing and Rask gets healthy, can they still win the Stanley Cup? Lauren, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm not confident, so I'm just going to say no. I think they could. I, I mean, think could too. I mean, it's hockey because it's like anybody could, so it's a bad question, but yeah. I... I'll say this much. The only guy I'm overextending myself for is Matthias Eckholm, who I don't think will end up getting traded um, because, I don't know, I Kyle Palmieri on a down year scares me, given what the ask is going to be. Um, well, if the ask, you know, if he's on a down year, then the ask can be lower. I don't think it will be, though. No, because the market dictates that, and you have, there's going to be enough teams that are sniffing around. For sure. So I, I think they could win, and I think a lot of that is predicated on Tuka Rask being very good, and they do have – depth it's just a lot of like lightning in a bottle right it's Andre Kasha coming back in late April and oh look at that he's healthy and he's the player you want him to be a big if but something that could happen it's trading for the the coil or Johansson type that kind of comes out of nowhere that ends up being a big contributor I don't know locally nobody thinks they can win the Stanley Cup but if you ask anybody who covers any team or watches the Bruins from afar, they say, that's a good team. Like, so sometimes I sit there, if I'm being cynical about the Bruins, I'll be like, if people much smarter than me who are like actually in the game and not just, you know, windbags like us say the Bruins are good, the Bruins can win. And it might just be fatigue from watching them all the time and seeing their, you know, their moles more than we see the, you know, Islanders. It's so... I don't know. I I think they can, independent of what other people think. And then I see people smarter than me say they think they can too. So that sways me a little bit. The Islanders is a, um Yeah, they, that apostrophe S killed me. All right. That's uh we can leave it there. Good take. I think they're good. They could be better. Such is life in professional sports. Yeah. Um for Lauren and Logan, I'm Mike. Uh, this has been the Nesson Bruins Podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, make sure to tune into the Bruins coverage on Nesson all, all week long. Uh, trade deadline special as well on Monday afternoon. Uh, and then we will reconvene same place, same time next week to, to go over what should be a uh, at least an interesting trade deadline. So uh, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you again next week. See you.